hey, every once in a while, it's really important for us to take a look at the big picture, not just uh, not just our roles and our careers and not just our families, but the really big picture, life planning. That is our topic today, life planning and goal setting, meaning and achievement. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode number 88. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I am your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show that helps smart people improve their communication, leadership, productivity skills. And this week, we're going to tackle a pretty big topic, life planning. There's a nice small topic for everybody. Yeah, life planning and goal setting. You know, it, it really is important to look at the big picture. And I'm a firm believer in this show of not just looking at the day-to-day things of leadership and how to be more effective and how to lead better, but really the big picture stuff too, because that's so important to us being successful and happy in what we're doing and being effective at being able to influence others. And so Bonnie gave this great talk at a conference this past weekend on life planning. And even though we've hit on this topic on the show about a year ago, I thought this would be a great time to revisit it and look at uh, not only from not from my perspective this time, but actually from Bonnie's perspective. And I am so glad to have you back. Well, I'm glad to be back. And I actually was not surprised at all to be asked to speak at a conference about life planning and goal setting. In fact, I have been, as you know, Dave, an expert planning a planning type person since about the age of five. Uh (laughs) So I used to love to go to those teacher supply stores and you can go and you could get the teacher's edition of the book. And then the the student edition, you could get those little grade books where you had all the names. Now in case, in my case, instead of it being actual real people, it was dolls and stuffed animals that would Mm. get filled in as the names of my students. And I'd record their test scores, how they did along the way. And I used to refer to myself as Miss Monroe. And this is a back from the 1970s television show, Charlie's Angels. Uh. There was the character named Chris Monroe. And so I thought that'd be great. I was Miss Monroe and I wrote it in cursive. That was when we used to actually teach our children to write in cursive. And then I also used to have the number 208 as my classroom slash bedroom (laughs) number. I was always hanging up on my room when I was little. So funny. Yeah. And now you have an office at your university that's office number 208. Yeah. Random. So you just know how to ruin a story, don't you? Spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. I didn't know you were going to tell more of that. (laughs) That's awesome. Tune in next week. (laughs) When he tells you that Bruce Willis was actually dead the entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say the name of the movie. Maybe people that haven't seen it. I haven't ruined it for them yet. At any rate, yes. So I have been a good planner and I actually got into college and continued to have that same idea about planning. I had the great idea. I was going to be a high school teacher my whole life. You did have that plan. I was going to get married when I was 24. Uh I was going to have my first child when I was 26. I was going to have my second child when I was 28. And none of those things happened, at least not at all in that timing. Yeah. And so that's part of this is having good planning, but also being adaptable when life happens too. And so I think that we're going to talk about some tools and strategies today on how to have a good plan, but also how to handle things when things come up in life too. 
Yeah, and that was a lot of the feedback that I got from the women that attended the conference. In fact, we're going to bring in some of their questions without using their names because we didn't get their permission to use their names on the podcast, but we'll ask some of their questions on this podcast. And then we'll link to in the show notes over to the little web page I built for the conference if anyone's interested in seeing the handout that I made or other tools that I link to over there. And then I'm also going to be doing some recording for a lot more of the women's questions that they had. So I know one of the things you hit on in this talk is we don't always choose our circumstances, though we can really choose our reactions to circumstances. Tell me more about what you were talking about with that. Yeah, well, I didn't necessarily, and on a personal level, I didn't choose to wait until my 34th birthday to get married in the sense of, I think there were a lot of times in life when I really would have yearned to be married earlier than that. Mm -hmm. Although now, of course, hindsight is always (laughs) 2020. And I look back and go, well, thank goodness I didn't get married earlier in life because I wouldn't be married to you today. I know. I'm so grateful the way it worked out too. Yeah. And then in terms of having such a timeline for children, we really yearned for children for, for to have a child for many, many years and not really understanding that timing either. So we didn't get to pick those things, but we do get to pick how we respond to what happens. So another example, I was laid off at one point, and this was an incredibly painful time for me. You remember, Mm -hmm. I don't think we'd been dating that long when that happened. About four months. So, I mean, that, that I went into a really difficult season. And yet at the same time, it was funny when, when my dad once told me that he was complimenting me and he's not always necessarily a super outward communicator. And he was talking about being proud of me. And that's not something that he necessarily expresses too often, although I know that he's proud of me, but he doesn't say it very often. Mm. But I was telling him, actually, I one time had a woman had quit who used to teach for us a long time ago. And she actually wrote on her exit interview with HR, she said something about Bonnie believed in me too much. Hmm. And I just thought that was sort of, I mean, it sort of cracked me up. It's like, darn you, stop believing. (laughs) Stop Hmm. believing in me. And it was right around that time where a couple of people quit. So it was kind of a stressful time. And one person actually started teaching the first two hours of his class and then just walked out and left, got in his car and never came back. And so I remember people would sometimes tell me, oh, you know, you're so courageous for doing public speaking and teaching for a living. That's you're so brave. And my dad completely nailed it on the head. He said, I don't think that it's necessarily because you're courageous. I think that no one ever just told you you had the choice to just walk out the door and get in your car and leave. And really metaphorically speaking, that's what it's really been for me a lot in life. You know, Hmm. we, we do things not because we're not scared but because we just don't know of the choice of just giving up. So it's it's a really subtle distinction, but to me it's been powerful. So we definitely don't choose our circumstances, but we get to choose how we respond to them. And when I look back, it never went as I planned, but there were important things along the way as far as me setting and then accomplishing goals that turned out to really be important. Hmm. So I'm glad that I became uh, what I consider to be a pretty healthy communicator in relationships because you and I have... I believe a much happier marriage because of it. And I'm happy that I set the goal to get a master's degree and then attained one. I, at the time when I was doing it, I had no intention of teaching in higher ed. And here I am today, many years later as a professor. So there were, I mean, in, in fact, many people listening might have gotten their college degrees. And a lot of times you don't necessarily major in what you end up going into, but the fact that you have that degree 
shows that you have a certain level of follow through over a course of a number of years in order to achieve your goals. Which some economists argue is more important as an indicator of a person's success level, even than the knowledge that you gain in college. So yeah. Yeah. So, so what does a life plan look like? What does it give to you? What's, yeah. what's the frameworks that well, we should be looking at? I actually want to talk a little bit about a life plan first. We're going to link to in the show notes, the life plan that Dave and I both think is, is one of the best ones we've seen. And a great attribute of it is that it's free. Yeah. So this is by a guy named Michael Hyatt. And since you actually have a little bit more experience with it, Dave, why don't you talk a little bit about what his life plan model is and how people could go about getting it? Sure. If you go to his, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's michaelhyatt.com and he has a podcast as well. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it. It's a great show. I can start uh, singing the theme song. Oh, this song. is this your is life. Your- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and he's been a guest on this show before too, last year. And so he has a wonderful free life planning e-booklet that you can get on his website. I think you have to sign up for his mailing list, but it's worth it being on his mailing list because it's wonderful too. And lots of resources. It just provides a really nice structure of thinking about all the things that are important to you in your life, the eight, nine, or 10 things that are most important. And then setting some goals and some structure around that. And I have used it before, and it's been very, very helpful for me for providing clarity on where I'm going to spend my time. And in fact, those of you who have been longtime listeners may remember back in episode number 23, I actually walked through one of those sections of the life plan. So if you'd like more details on that and you haven't listened to the show very long, go back and listen to Coaching for Leaders episode number 23, and I'll walk you through all that in great detail. So we'll just kind of hit on the high levels here today, but that provides the structure for doing something that uh, really gives you some framework around it. Because I think that's the biggest thing that probably stops people, Bonnie, is they don't know where to start. Yeah. And and I will tell you that it's his is a pretty rigorous process. It is. Going through each area of your life, finances, relationships, work, etc. And so if you wanted a smaller step to take, some people talk about thinking about your 80th or your 90th birthday. Mm-hmm. And what does that celebration look like? And who's there? And what do they write in their cards to you? Or what do they get up and give a toast to you about? What is it that you would like said about you at that point in your life? I have done that exercise many times with clients of let's imagine what your 85th birthday party looks like. And let's even have you write out what you'd like people to be saying, what you'd like people to be doing, what stories your family's going to be telling about you. And then we work backwards from there of what would be the things you would be doing today that would ultimately lead you to the relationships you'd want when you're 85, the lifestyle you'd want, where you'd be living, what you'd be doing. And so that's a great, great starting point is that long-term vision of figuring out where you want to be. So one of the things that a life plan, when you go through the process, whether it's a real shorter process like we just described, or a more extensive one like the Michael Hyatt plan, is it helps you clarify what's really important. There's a wonderful children's book called Hope for the Flowers that I can't do justice in the amount of time we have, but it's about caterpillars. And they're climbing up a big caterpillar silo. And the top of the silo is covered by the clouds. And it looks very appealing because everybody's trying to get up top. So something good has to be up there. Mm. Fast forward to one of the caterpillars whose name is Stripe. He decides to keep going up when they get about halfway up. Start to realize a lot of people are getting stepped on. I keep saying people. A lot of caterpillars are getting stepped on on the way up. And he decides to keep going. And Yellow decides she doesn't want any part of that. It looks like it's just too rough ahead and she's unsure about 
this being a fulfilling thing for her. So she goes away. We don't see her until much later in the story. As you can imagine, he keeps going, starts to get even closer to the top to realize there's nothing up there. Mm. He sees a beautiful creature he's never seen before with these marvelous wings and just amazing grace flying through the air. The eyes look a little bit familiar. Mm. It's yellow, although he doesn't know that it's yellow yet, but you and I know that it's yellow. And so he ends up going back down following yellow to her cocoon. And fast forward a little bit more, he makes his own cocoon and they both fly off together. So it's a happy story, but it's always a reminder to, we have to be really careful when we're thinking about setting our goals are these goals actually going to be things that truly bring about meaning and significance in our life? And so when we go through this process, it can help us clarify what's truly important to us. And a lot of times it's kind of counterintuitive to what's really, really important when we think about that 85th birthday. And something that gets in the way for some people, Bonnie, is that sometimes this seems too out there, like, okay, when you're 85 years old, it's just too distant for some people. But the reality is, is that if you go through and spend some time, it really does come back to how you better manage your priorities and balance today. And I know that's something that you think about too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and it also gives a better sense for me of what to say no to. Hmm. Sitting with this group of women over the weekend, there were a lot of difficult stories there. And a lot of people that put a lot of pressure on themselves. One woman that was there shared she had five children and is going, how do I set goals? How do I know even where to start all this? You're going with five children. That, that's a, that is a huge priority in and of itself. And you're going to need to say no to things in order to effectively really create that kind of meaning that you want in your life, Hmm. both to your children, as well as to people outside your own family. And I see you have written down here to more of a sense of that you are truly living. Tell me more about what you mean by that. So if I am stripe and I'm yellow and I'm heading up the silo, I, maybe for me, it's earning some sort of a degree or it's getting that promotion or it's making a certain amount of money. A lot of times, once people have checked that box off, it wasn't actually that box all along that was going to really help them feel whole and alive. And so we want to make sure that what we are doing is something that actually does bring about significance. And this is where our Donald Miller quote comes in, I think. Yeah, it sort of sets up the next part of it. Contrary to popular belief, great things almost never happen by accident. Great accomplishments are planned. Sadly, much of the planning we do goes into accomplishments that leave us feeling empty in the end. I don't know if you've been following the research about happiness and income. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of conflicting studies, so pick one that supports what you believe. (laughs) But essentially there's only a certain amount of income that actually correlates with greater happiness. And then at some point that just sort of flattens out and it depends on the studies. Some say 75,000, some say 80, some say 90, but at some point the more money does not actually bring about any more happiness. And then it flips as it starts to become a substantial sum of money. And you've talked about this before, Dave, actually people who have won the lottery, Mm-hmm the least happy people in the world. Yeah, there's uh, the statistics. I wish I would have, uh, if I'd known you were going to mention that, I would have pulled this one of the studies, but it's amazing how many people, when you go back 20 years, uh, who won the lottery 20 years ago, say they wish they would have never won, that it ruined their Mm -hmm. lives and it really threw their lives entirely out of balance, which I think is interesting because I think that 
a lot of times we think about success and happiness as far as position and financial amounts and it really isn't there's not a strong correlation even the studies that do show there's a correlation it's not a strong correlation between those things it's really life is about so much more than that so now we're going to get down and talk a little bit about goals so if okay. we've done our life planning we have some big buckets of things that are important to us roles that we play achievements that are the longer term achievements that are important. It's the goals that say, how are we going to get there? And so one of the commonly used acronyms for setting goals is to set what are called smart goals. The S is for specific. So we want to be able to specify exactly what that goal is. And it goes very closely with the M, which is measurable. So I got to be able to measure it. Then I need to have the A, which is that it's attainable. We actually got a question about that in the session. How do you know if a goal is attainable? Mm. And boy, that's different for every single person. And and so that's that's something where we really have to kind of consider, is it just so far out of reach? Maybe we could set a, a goal that was on the way there to kind of then see if once that box gets checked, if we're actually able to maybe have greater flexibility in our job or demonstrate greater leadership or what have you. The R is relevant. So that's really important because that helps us link it back to our life plan. If it's not relevant to something that will actually connect with what we'd like to celebrate at that 85th birthday, then maybe we need to rethink it. And the T is time-based. So we need to have some specific dates along the way and measurable outcomes. And this is always that tough balance of what kind of, how difficult do you set your goals and what level do you set them and for me, one of the things I always advise clients is that you don't want to just set goals that are things you're going to do anyway. So if you've done something consistently for the last eight years, like if you, let's just use something simple. Brush if your you, teeth. Brush your teeth. If you want to set a goal to brush your teeth every day and you always brush your teeth every day anyway, that's not really pushing you in any new direction. Um, at the same time, you also don't want to go to the other extreme. If you work for a Fortune 500 company and you're uh, 22 years old, say, it's probably not a realistic goal to say that you're going to be the CEO of that company in a year or two. You know, that's that's unrealistic on the opposite end, too. So I always tell folks to set a goal that's going to stretch you, that's going to get you doing more than you would have done anyway, just kind of going through life without that goal. But at the same time, set it so that it is something that it's going to push you, but you can get there that you could really get there if you focus time on it. So speaking of getting there, we just have a few recommendations about how to increase your likelihood of achieving your goals. And then Dave's going to ask some of the questions from the conference that I spoke at this past weekend. So how do we increase the likelihood of following through on our goals? First thing is put it somewhere or put them somewhere in writing that you're going to look at regularly. So funny you mentioned that because last night I was revising my goals. I have my goal list up on my screen and I try to look at it regularly on a weekly basis to make sure I'm hitting on all my goals for the year. And there's some I wasn't so doing so well on this year. So I went through and did some revisions and looked at them, but that's where I keep mine. We want to also track progress along the way. And when it comes to, we had some health related goals that were spoke about over the weekend and I recommended a little pedometer, although it's a fancy pedometer, it's called a Fitbit. F-I-T-B-I-T. And that is a way of tracking my progress as far as calories burned. So it's going to track like a old fashioned $18 pedometer would do mm -hmm. track my steps, but it also has in it what's called an accelerometer. 
and that sees the height or the altitude of the particular device. And so as I go up a flight of stairs, I get credit for that every time I do that. And it really has changed my behavior. In fact, the conference I was speaking at, you go in a parking garage in order to get there. And I can remember going to attend a conference a number of years ago at the same place. And I took the elevator, but this time had my Fitbit on. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to miss this great opportunity to get two or three of my little points on the flights of stairs. So it really, really, when we track our progress along the way, a lot greater likelihood of actually following through on your goals. Awesome. Sharing with others is another key part of goal setting and sharing it with others who are going to be supportive of you. So people who want you to be successful in your goals. So be careful about who you share your goals with, especially if they're goals that are doing great things in the world. Find people that are going to be supportive of you, but find people that are going to encourage you and inspire you and are going to help you when you hit those obstacles because we all hit obstacles in our goal setting and our daily achievements. So those are great people to share goals with. And the last one, Dave, I'd actually like you to talk about, this will be the last item on the formal agenda, and that is create an an ideal week that aligns with your life plan. And you've actually done this using another Michael Hyatt tool that we'll link to in the show notes. I did. And I uh, revert, you know, redid it several times now, and it's really more of my own at this point. And so I've just created an Excel spreadsheet and I laid out, you know, if this was a perfect week, where would I spend all my time? How much time would I spend putting together this podcast? How much time would I spend on my Dale Carnegie responsibilities? How much time would I spend with Luke? And I just plan that all out each week. And every week I start with that as a template and every week's a little different, but at least I have a starting point for keeping my life pretty well in balance. And there's weeks I work more, there's weeks I spend more time with family and you and I both have different weeks every week. But because I start with that template and I know your template for the most part, mm-hmm. we generally have pretty good balance in most areas. And that way we're starting with some intentionality versus just rolling into work on Monday morning and then not even really thinking about what you're trying to get done in the week until Wednesday afternoon. And then it's like you're not really thinking intentionally about how you're utilizing your time well. And the ideal week template has those blocks of time color coded. And if your particular calendaring program allows you to change the color of specific calendar items, let's say, for example, green in my calendars is always health related. So if you have that in your ideal week and then you use that color green in your actual schedule, you can compare your ideal week with how your week actually went and then make any adjustments as you go. Another important thing with this whole process is to be leaving margin in our lives. So you think about a margin on a page. Well, that's so that you don't keep writing and end up writing on the desk or something like that. We need a little bit of room at the edges of our lives for when things that we didn't plan for end up happening. We need margin when it comes to our finances for those unexpected costs. We need margin when it comes to our time for things that come up that wind up being both urgent as well as important to us. And if we have no margin, it's not a good thing. Knowing where you're starting from is key too. I mean, one of the things we do in the very first session of the Dale Carnegie Leadership Course, I've taught a few times, is we ask people to record how they spent their week. Mm. So they get a blank calendar and they have to come back the next week to class and, and, and report in on, you know, how did I spend last Monday, last Tuesday, last Wednesday? And then when you write it down, it's really powerful. Like, and you look back and you're like, wow, I spent a lot more time doing work than I thought I did, or I spent a lot more time with family than I thought I did. It really does become... Uh, very, very insightful and informing on what you would want to do in order to affect change. 
So we have a few questions. We from, do. We do. We won't use their names. No. So the one of the questions that was asked of you was, I get distracted really easily, very easily. How do I keep myself on track and focused when I get distracted? Well, I guess when I get distracted, first of all, I think we should all let ourselves get a little bit distracted. That same margin that I was just referring to, I think it's important to have a little bit of room for display and distraction. That being said, I think if you're not tracking your progress already, that's a great way to help maintain focus. We've got a goal and then we see how things have gone and we can compare any gaps that are there. Yeah. And for me, I like to pick two or three things that I'm going to get done that day. So on my for sure going to get done list for that day. So it is not realistic that we're always going to be 100% productive on anything, on everything. But if I pick two to three things that for sure I want to get done at the end of the day, when I've achieved those, that's success for me. Mm -hmm. So that's how I keep from getting myself back on track when I get distracted because we all get distracted. So keeping it simple is, is key for me. So our next question is, how do you manage boundaries with others, uh, particularly family, who aren't supporting your goals? which that's a tough one. It's actually tough to do boundaries even when your family is supporting your goals. Maybe we should talk about what we do as far as, because we both work full time. We have a child. What, how, do, how do we do that? <laughs> well, I think one of the things that we do is we have some space and some boundaries in terms of if you're in your office, for the most part, we're not legalistic about it, but for the most part, you're off you're not here. I mean, we, we both work a lot out of the home. I do teach up at Vanguard, but that's three times a week. I'm actually physically up there as opposed to working from a home office here. So part of it is if you're able to have a physical place, maybe you go to a local library or you go to a local Starbucks, but just somewhere where you can create a physical boundary to help you focus and get things achieved. Now, if the family is not supportive of that, I mean, if it's something that's an extreme situation, I'd highly encourage you pursuing counseling. Counseling can be a wonderful tool because a counselor's role is to become as an outsider to come in and just help you communicate and negotiate together as a neutral third party and to reflect back what they hear you saying and to help you negotiate through that process. Sometimes we just need someone from the outside to come and help us get a little bit of perspective as opposed to if we just can't, aren't able to do that ourselves. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's particularly challenging if you have family that isn't supportive. So that's certainly a place to look into as a resource. And then the other thing I'd add in is a lot of communication. I mean, as much as you and I know our schedules and uh, just this last week, for example, you're in finals week in your semester and doing tons of exams, your schedule was entirely different. So we had a lot of dialogue in the last two weeks about, okay, how are we going to, who's going to be watching Luke at what time? We had to sit down and mm -hmm. plan out some days. And it, so part of that's just really good communication and both parties being willing to be also flexible at times too. And saying, you know, hey, I will take more time today or I will do this or I will make the sacrifice in order for you to be able to do this, which is important to you. And ultimately, because it's important to you, it's important to me and it's important to our family. So those are key things too. All right, next question here. How do I stay focused or, uh, or, or start a lifelong goal amidst the daily activities of life? So full-time job, five kids, six grandkids, service, work, marriage. Uh, sh she's saying, how do I get started? I think it goes back to those two caterpillars and the cocoon. Mm. I think we need to schedule in times where we go off a bit by ourselves and take that time to reflect on the most important things in our lives. And so I would just encourage, at least on an annual basis, having at a very minimum a half a day 
by yourself somewhere alone, time to reflect. And and I would add to that of start with something small. Mm. So if you are finding that you are not able to get any traction on, on any of these, start with one thing, something small that you know you can have success with, get some success under your belt on a few, a few different times and situations, and then start with something larger. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of the things I have to clients do all the time. Start with something really little they can get success on. And then we gradually start to do more things. So don't try to do everything at once. Don't try to balance your entire life in one weekend. Find one thing that you want to work on and do that for a couple of weeks and then add to it. All right. So our last question is, I have a hard time making decisions. I set, uh, to set goals is hard for me. And I feel like, I feel I've written it in stone. How do I make a priority that I will keep? Hmm. Well, this is one of those things that sometimes we shouldn't keep those goals. Sometimes life changes and sometimes our priorities change and sometimes we need to be able to let go and realize something else has emerged and become more important. That being said, if you are the kind of person who has regularly set some goals and doesn't ever seem to finish any of them, then I think we could go back to Dave's last piece of advice, which is to start with something smaller. Perhaps you're starting with something that's so big that you're almost just setting yourself up for failure every time. But if we start with something a little bit smaller, create that kind of self-discipline with those small wins that then can be transformed into something larger. And you know, too, when I think for me, when I really ask myself and I'm really honest with myself, when I need to give myself some grace and when are times that I maybe am not doing the things that I really should be doing. And I just was going through, I mentioned earlier, I was going through my goals last night. There were some things that I didn't do in the first half of the year that I'd planned to do, but there were also some really good reasons because some client projects came up, some teaching projects came up. And there were some really good reasons that I didn't do that. And in fact, it was good that I didn't try to do all that. So I made some revisions. So it's also okay to give yourself some grace, uh, but start start somewhere. Start with that goal. Start with that one piece. And if you do that one thing, you'll get confidence, you'll get feel success, and that will get you heading in the right direction. And then you've got that confidence to take on to do the next thing. I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. And if you have any additional questions for Dave or I, or any other advice for the questions that we talked about, because questions there feel free to chime in in the comments section. we would love to hear from you thanks bonnie all the links to everything we mentioned are in the show notes you can reach those at coachingforleaders.com slash 88 again coachingforleaders.com slash 88 you can also call me with any comments questions or feedback 94938learn or email feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, the next two episodes, at least I'm planning this, are going to be on the StrengthsFinder assessment. And if you're like me, you've heard about StrengthsFinder many times, and you may even have taken StrengthsFinder, as I have a few times, but you may want to know more about it. What can you do with your StrengthsFinder results? What's the history of the assessment? What does it mean uh, when you get those top five strengths? What can you do with that? Well, the next couple of episodes, we're going to be having a StrengthsFinder expert come on and answer questions about StrengthsFinder. So if you have a question or comment about StrengthsFinder, something you just always wanted to know about it, be sure to send me an email, and I'd love to include that in our conversation. Now, I will tell you, I am going to be recording that conversation fairly early, probably on May 15th. And so if you're listening to that afterwards, you can still send in questions. I'll try to still get 
those included. Maybe we can get some questions answered on the back end. But if you're listening to this right away when this episode airs, the start of this week, please send in your feedback. And again, the email address for that feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, a big thank you to Mike Farrow, Gay Pickner, David Bazan, Eric Furlong, Elmer Turner, and Olivia Cascante for following me this week, either on Twitter, Facebook, or Google+. And hey, if you'd like to stay connected as well, simply go to coachingforleaders.com slash Twitter slash Facebook or slash plus. That'll get you there. Hey, if you'd like to get a midweek booster shot and hear from me by writing, something that you can do that will help you to communicate more effectively, lead more effectively, have better productivity, just subscribe to my weekly article. You can do that by going to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And that'll take you there and you'll get that weekly article just about every Wednesday. So if you feel like you're missing me about Wednesday, be sure to go there. Anyway, hey, have a great week. And uh, as always, drop me a line if I could ever be helpful to you. Take care.